Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and uh, this episode, we're going to be looking at this year's top 100 Australian food and beverage industries. I'm joined, as ever, by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business. Kim, how are you going? I'm very well. How are you, Grant? Yeah, not too bad and kind of eager to listen to this one because the top 100, this is a major effort every year, and uh, everyone's eagerly awaiting the information. So, Kim... I understand you've got someone here to help us out. We sure do. We're joined today by Senior Industry Analyst Matt Reeves from our partner in the top 100 food and drink companies, Ibis World. Welcome, Matt. Hi, nice to take you today. Yeah. So, uh, this is uh, this is a really big deal for food and drink business every year that we compile this report with Ibis World and it looks at all of the top uh, well, you know, obviously it's quite self-explanatory, the top 100 companies um, in the food and beverage space in Australia. Let's take a look from the very beginning at the top 10. There really hasn't been much movement this year, has there? No, no, it's been fa- fairly stable. There's been some sort of m- movements within, but gen- generally all stayed the same, except I suppose the, the, the one change has been George Weston uh, replacing Nestle at number 10 on the list. Yes, I know that when uh, we kicked off the podcast a couple of weeks back with um, Tom Yule and looked at sort of last year's report in the, you know, in the lead up to this year's report, we were noting that the George Western Foods, Nestle and Goodman Fielder, all working in those FMCG um, brands were very close and um, there would probably be some jostling this year. So, we've seen George Western Foods uh, move up a spot and kick Nestle out of the top 10. Um, but is that something you you guys would have expected, that really we didn't have any movement in the top six? Is that something we can expect? We know that in previous years of the report, the top couple have sort of stayed quite stable. Were you guys surprised by that or was this sort of, you know, sort of expected? Um, oh, well, I suppose, I mean, they're all very, I mean, obviously by the nature of large, well-established companies. So, I mean, it's to some extent, that's not a huge surprise that they would continue their perform- strong performances with their dom- dominant plays in their respective industries. Another thing for us, I guess, to look forward to next year will be maybe there will be some movement with some of those companies looking to offload or change, you know, acquire or um, or sell a couple of, you know, some parts of their businesses. So, you know, this year, Carlton and United Breweries is it. Uh, number nine, but with the Asahi deal going um, being finalised with Heineken buying those brands that the ACCC said they had to offload, uh, maybe we'll see some movement there. I'm, I'm presuming Asahi will move up um, from its current ranking in this year's list at 13, maybe up into that top 10. Was that something you guys would anticipate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose you do. Yeah, you're right. You do have to take into account the separating of certain business units that they had to do under uh, the ACCC's ruling. But given how strong they performed separately, yes, you would. The combined revenue should put Asahi into the top ten. Um, and tell us why. I mean, Fonterra has been at the top of the top of the list for the last couple of years, and it's a long way ahead, <laughs> like of of JBS 
at number two. Why Why is that? Why is it such a, I mean, it's a co-op. I kind of, you know, I mean, I, I don't anymore, but, you know, the, the idea of a co-op sounds quite, um, you know, homely and hokey and, you know, it's just going to be all sharing your, sharing your pails at the end of your gate. But um, these guys are, I mean, these are massive numbers that we're looking at. How? Why? Yes, well, yeah, Fonterra, um, with you know, with even with their co-op status, so they've just owned so much of the of the New Zealand milk supply, or processed so much of the New Zealand milk supply that they've gained so such a large market share there that even though it's more more even in Australia, the the, the breakdown that having having such a dominant space in New Zealand just it helps keep them so far ahead of the pack. Right. So that will be quite, again, I mean, that might, that position might even be strengthened off the back of the fact that just in September, they announced, you know, they, they're looking to buy dairy country in Australia, which will give it uh, packing and processing facilities as, as, uh, as well as more sort of share of the Australian retail cheese market. So that position might even be more solidified over the next 12 months. Yeah, I mean they've they've proven themselves to be quite resilient through the COVID crisis, and so yeah, adding adding another business to their portfolio would certainly see them strengthen themselves for sure. Yeah. Now you mentioned the C word. <laughs> um, what sort of sectors or what what industry groups did you sort of see were really buffeted by that more than others, or was it across the board? Yeah. So different different companies across different industries have diff- different impacts. So there's, there's the staple goods. Where where they actually saw quite a bit of a benefit from from the panic buying. If you look at uh, Saputo with their cheese and Bega, that they they show quite strong growth. Uh, and then and then you have the other companies uh, impacted by COVID lock, COVID lockdown restrictions. The Treasury Wine Estates, Accolade Wines, they will both showed impacts from restrictions to on premise trading. And did they get an uptick in terms of consumer purchase? For in home, like you know, for drinking at home. Yes, yeah. So th- those those companies did report that sort of a sort of um, constraint constrained their decline. The fact that they were, they could they could rely on the the strong growth in liquor retailing. Mm, okay, okay. And we, if you actually if actually yeah, if you look at the companies like uh, Casala Wines, they saw a lot of um, at the also a lot of a lot of buying of the yellowtail at the start of the lockdown, which actually boosted their revenue performance over the year. They actually grew quite strongly. As we've said a couple of times, uh, kegs are down, but slabs are up. So while if you're a a manufacturer of of alcohol, you may be seeing overall decline on the retail front, it's through the roof because of lockdowns. Yeah, it's certainly been a change. Well, I know that Cooper's results have just come out in the last day or so and, uh, and they've had a great year. And their sort of um, home brewing style kits and and uh, their uptake of more uh, cans and um, the like have really have really bolstered them. So it's great to see. It's a strange sort of situation, isn't it? Coopers is eighty three on the list this year. Treasury Wine Estates is five. Accolades at forty seven. Uh, Casella is at forty eight. Accolade had a bit of a fall from forty one. Uh, as did Casella to 46, only 46 to 48. It was interesting, like uh, most of them sort of stayed 
fairly similar to where they were last year. I think it's one of the challenges with our, not a challenge, but it's a little sort of where the edges get fuzzy with our top 100 is often the financial reporting period that the, the list is drawing upon only partially correlates then with all of the events and business news that has happened in the calendar year. That's quite, um, that happens across the board, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah, there's all the issues with or a lot of foreign ownership. It means that those those companies aren't are reporting at, at different times to the to the Australian financial year. So it's not perfect correlation there, unfortunately. Yeah, um, can we have a little chat? Let's look at some of the the um, agri sort of sectors. Sugar seem to have a really tough time. <laughs> What's yeah. going on in that space? <laughs> Yeah, so there's, there was a significant decline in the price of sugar over 2017-18, 2018-19. And if you look at these companies, this is another example of those companies that have those different reporting dates. So we've got them in on them at the mainly December year-end period. So they're, yes, they're seeing an impact from increased global supply of sugar from countries like Brazil and India. And so that's increasing supply and depressing prices. So that's flown, flown through into these companies. Okay, okay. Let's talk a bit about also the meat sector. These meat companies, um, they're really, you know, there's a lot of them in, a, in the top 100. There's almost 20, like almost 20 companies in the top 100 are meat processors or, you know, meat or small good manufacturers. Can you talk to me a little bit about that sector? Why, why is it so strong? Yeah, Australia's Australia's got such a strong focus on agriculture in in our economy. So there's a real because because that that dominates such a large part of the country that so many, it, it's it's a large source of revenue for companies, and we've been able to leverage that into export markets and Australian beef and other products being very successful overseas. So that's boosted the performance. Okay, and so tell me more about that in terms of that export market? Because I would have thought that would have been sort of negatively impacted this year, but have some some of those export markets actually grown? Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, not a lot of the companies have been, especially in terms of the beef companies, not a lot of that has has come through in the numbers because of their reporting dates. And they've they've had an impact from COVID with a lot of the food service sector being there. And I imagine a couple of them were affected, have been affected by the sort of trade difficulties with China or is that sort of, I know there was a number of abattoirs earlier in the year um, which China sort of uh, banned. I understand that those bans have now been lifted, but I know that China has also been sort of suffering from swine fever and it um, has that sort of played into our favour at all? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So, with the outbreak of African swine fever over the over the past couple of years, that's really boosted our Australian companies' exports of, of beef to China because there's been the decline in protein generally. So, that's been filled by beef. And you see that with, yeah, JBS or number two on the list. And, yeah. And, and, and a few other companies. And, ta- and Taze. Taze is six. It's a... Taze Australia, it's a Cargill joint venture, and that comes in at six. Um, Thomas Foods uh, International comes in at 17. It's moved up from 21. NHA and Kilcoy Pastoral Company stayed the same. Um, Bindari Beef Group um, has come in at the list at 36. They weren't on the list last year. So do you know anything about them? We might, we might need to go and have a dig around and see where they've, where they've come from, where they've popped up from. 
Yeah, that was well with with Bindari Beef. They did um, over uh, a couple of years ago. They 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 opened up a new manufacturing plant, so that's increased their capacity. Ah, oh, okay. And and that's so that's sort of seen them seen their revenue performance improve and. Yeah, yeah, so they've they've climbed up. Yeah, my understanding also from um, some of the previous episodes has been that during the drought, a number of beef providers decided that uh, they couldn't keep their herd alive, so they sent more for for meat works and so on, um, leading to the possibility that they're going to drop off later this year as they restock their herds to take advantage of the the breaking of the drought. So, do you think, Matt, that was also a factor? Yes, yeah, that, that that was definitely a factor as well. Yeah, there was a there was a high turnoff rate from farmers, so that that increased the supply and yeah, and and yeah, improved the performance. So as now we've seen the drought breaking, farmers are beginning to rebuild their herds. So you could yeah, quite easily see the west uh, over yeah over the next year or two, some of these performances drop off a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the poultry processing sector, Chirosi had a big jump. They went from fifty two to thirty nine. I think they were a new company on the list last year, weren't they? I think they came in on the list last year at 52 because of uh, there was a number of acquisitions and, and the company was formed. It was something similar like that. But they've still, they've had a big uptick this year. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so Turosi is the, um, it, it comes from the new, a merger from OSI International Foods and, and, Turi, and Turi Foods, both chicken processors in Previously in their own right, and they 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 merged to form a new entity. And the most recent year to December 2019 was their first full year as a merged entity. So they came together in May 2018. So having the 2019 financial year for them was their first full year operating as a merged entity. So that saw them sort of artificial revenue growth, I suppose you'd say, to some extent, but also strength of their brands. Um, let's have a let's have a look in terms of the companies that have had a big. Um, either a, a big increase or a big drop in their revenue. We saw um, Bellamy's. Um, well, MSF Sugar had the had the greatest drop this year of um, a twenty point seven percent drop in revenue, but behind them were um, was Bellamy's Organic. That they, I mean, even though they had an eighteen point five nine percent revenue drop, they actually jumped from seventy seven to seventy four. But um, what was the cause of that big drop? Yeah, so that was um, that was due to a licensing dispute with China, where the Chinese government had put out a new policy of having all dairies that import into import products into the country to have a have a, to, they have to get a license from them as an approved dairy. And so Bellamy's weren't able to weren't able to get that, so that impacted their revenue during that year. And then, yeah, they were so they've subsequently now been bought out by China Mengyu Dairy, one of the, the largest dairy company in China. And so probably when when then new figures are released, could could well see an improvement in their figures and move up the list maybe even further. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I must say in the bottom five, like in well, actually. There's six companies sort of in the bottom five in terms of profit uh, revenue loss, and um, two of them are sugar companies. So, yeah, that industry's having in, you know is in a bit of pain. Uh, Mond Nissen also had a drop. I'm wondering whether that was something specific, or if that maybe was a change in reporting period. They fell 12.4 percent. Yeah, there wasn't a change in reporting period. There, there was as a um not much information available. So they're, they're responsible for the Nudie juice brand, uh, 
black swan dips uh, and Wattle Valley cheese and dip range. So, I mean, I suppose there's been a lot, quite a lot of, there's a lot of competition in those spaces and, and it might, it might just, it's just a product of increased competition in the space and, cha- and changing demand. I know there's, there had been, the last couple of years been sort of, it's picked up a bit, but the juice, I know there'd been sort of a, a softening demand um, for, for a while there. So that may be a product of that as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, then let's look at the top of the list. Um, there's two that are sort of, that are changes in their reporting periods, I think, which was Select Harvests and Costa Group. What happened with, the, like, Select Harvests tell us, it tells us that they had a 341.6% increase in revenue. Hello, that'd be all right. Um, uh, what, what was the actual cause of that? Yeah, so they moved, they moved to a September year end balance date from a December year end balance date. So I think so there was a there was so one of the, their last previous reporting period was only a three month or six month reporting period. So that's right. so now that they've then reported a full twelve months, that yeah, skewed okay. the, that skewed the performance there. And yeah, a similar story with Costa changing to a calendar year reporting that that skewed their performance. And then, of course, we've got Chirosi on the list there. They had a, you know, a 58% increase in profit, which has come from the merger of those various companies. Uh, a meat company, AA Co, is sitting there at 46.86%. That's big. Um, and Peter's Ice Cream is at 34.23%. And... Interestingly, probably the the company most watched this year, Freedom Foods Group, had a 33.65% um, revenue increase. I think we can safely say following their um, tumultuous year this year with more than $60 million write down in inventory stock and uh, the sudden exit of the CFO and the CEO and... Um, the current court cases that are being brought against it from companies as well as former employees, uh, it's um, it'll be a, it'll be very interesting to see how they go next year. <laughs> yes, yes, it certainly will be. Yeah, <laughs> they've had they've had a very busy few months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think we've sort of touched off. You know, AA Co is that in that meat processing space. I know that we always find that some of these big meat processing and abattoir sort of companies are quite difficult to get information out of. Do you guys find that? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, sometimes you have companies who, yeah, who are willing willing, willing to give it, and others are a little bit uh, others are more private, but. And sometimes, sometimes it just depends on the year as well. Yeah. Do you know what was happening with Peter's ice cream? Like why it had such a great year? Uh, yeah. So they, they, um, I mean, it is also, it's also, it's another one where acquisitions come into play here. They acquired Tip Top Ice Cream in New Zealand. And so that, that was at one point hold by, yeah, the parent company did, and that's been acquired through the Australian subsidiary. Or well, through through a New Zealand subsidiary, which is which is then owned by Peters Australia. So are they, and that was owned by Fonterra previously, and they they sold that off. So that I think they sold it to Frenary. Is that right? Yes, Frenary. Yes. Yeah. So that's the one. Okay. What caught your eye out of this list? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was interesting looking at if you looked at the all the. I mean, we touched touched on it briefly before. But I suppose all, all the, the the poultry processors they, they they all seem to have a pretty strong performance, 
And then also, actually, one sort of out of the blue, one sort of defying expectations was Huon Aquaculture Group. So they increased 20, so a 21% increase in revenue this year. But surprisingly, it wasn't actually, it wasn't actually their domestic lockdown sales like you might expect. They actually had some uh, ending of some domestic contracts, which negatively impacted their retail sales here and actually had a 378% increase in exports. So despite supply chain disruptions during COVID, they've, yeah, they, ma- they managed to really grow their overseas sales and that's, yeah, seen them perform very strongly. Yeah, they jumped from um, number 74 in 2019 to number 58 this year. So that's not a bad showing. Yeah, big mover. Yeah, and Vesco Foods also did a similar thing. It went from 96 to 84 and MPD Dairy Products also had a big jump from 79 to 64. Yeah, with both those companies, I think you, you, you can definitely see um, an impact from COVID-19 there with Vesco with their ready-to-eat meals. That's been a strong performer for them, as well as MPD. They provide a lot of ingredients for baked goods and confectionaries, which we've all seen that the panic buying in March and April um, but boost, <laughs> helped boost their performance there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well... That's pretty comprehensive. Is there someone that you were surprised by their performance as well? Like you, maybe they didn't, their results weren't as, I don't know, positive or as negative as you thought they would be? I think we've really touched on all the big movers. Another one, I suppose, just is probably I suppose, with Saputo. I mean, they, they stayed within the top 10, but they moved from nine to seven. And, and they, were able to, they were able to do that off uh, increase, being able to increase their milk supply while, while there's been that uh, constrained milk, falling milk supply in Australia due, due to drought. They were able to get new um, cattle farmers on board and, and be able to improve their milk supply. And then, of course, at the end of the period, their owning of the, the Devondale UHT milk, there was a bit of a spike in that and cheese sales. So that all flowed through there. And look, you know, if Saputo's current um, uh, proposal to acquire the remainder of Lion Dairy and Drinks gets the ACCC um, tick, then uh, I suspect they may move up even higher in that top 10. Yes, yeah, that, that would give them a give them a big boost. Yeah, the ACCC brings down, will um, you know, hand down what their, their thoughts are on that on the 23rd of December. So, you know, Merry Christmas. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> someone's going to be enjoying their ham more than someone else, I think. But uh, there's lots of conjecture around that, um, you know, line dairy and drinks, uh, as there was on last year's list. So <laughs> some things move slower uh, than others. But uh, look, thank you so much, Matt. I think uh, it's a fascinating space to look at. Food and beverage manufacturing is always going to be affected by the vagaries of what's happening in our environment, but also with consumers. So it's a really fascinating yearly insight for us into where, where they're all at. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and your expertise today. And uh, thanks, Grant. No worries. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, no worries. Glad to be on. I'll just say that the full report and lots of analysis and reviews of everything that's happened this year will be out in our November-December issue, which will also be available online at the website. And take a look. It's great reading and it's, it's something we're really proud of. 
Excellent. Well, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Matt. Great bit of insight there. And uh, always good to hear what goes on behind the numbers. And I know this uh, publication's annual report is one of the big uh, factors of the year. Everyone wants to know who's at what position. So a little bit of uh, info of what's gone into the numbers. And as Kim said, if you want the major details, either hop on the website or uh, get look in the magazine and find all the information that's going to back up why people have gone up and down. So with that, we're going to uh, wrap up the episode and we'll be back in the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.